This is a Diet of Brussels. What's the relationship between the EU and Switzerland? As in my uh, previous episode, this comes out of the uh, debate about uh, what uh, an alternative to EU membership might look like. And it's worth saying this comes off the back of a request through Twitter from uh, EFTA for UK, uh, who asked if I could talk a bit more about this, which I'm very happy to do on any subject, uh, pretty much. Um, Switzerland's a particular uh, case. It's a very particular case. Um, The Swiss have long had a position, uh, decades long, of non-alignment and non-participation in international organisations and famously have not been uh, part of the UN uh, until very recently and in a very limited capacity. now, that was reflected in their lack of desire to uh, join the EEC uh, back when it was formed in the 1950s. They've never expressed a strong desire to do that. The closest that uh, they came was at the end of the Cold War when other EFTA member states, of which Switzerland is a member, decided that they should be thinking a bit about their position, especially as Eastern enlargement was on the cards. The Swiss, however... Uh, didn't go down that path. That uh, back in 1992, they had a referendum about joining the European Economic Area, which I've talked about in the previous podcast when I talked about Norway, uh, and rejected that as an option. That they weren't comfortable with the extension of uh, the single market into the uh, Swiss uh, territory. And so instead, they've gone down a very much more bilateral route with the EU. Now, that uh, bilateral route is uh, complex, very complex. Uh, There are several hundred agreements uh, that cover the relationship around different areas. But at the heart of that are a package of 10 core bilateral treaties uh, which were negotiated through the 1990s and into the early uh, 2000s. Now, in essence, uh, what uh, those bilateral treaties uh, produce is something that looks a lot like uh, the EEA agreements that the other EFTA member states have. So, uh, most importantly, that includes uh, free movement. And uh, Switzerland, it's worth noting, is a member of uh, the Schengen Agreement, just like Norway, uh, which it joins in 2005. So that allows for free movement uh, across uh, Swiss borders from the uh, neighbouring states. However, by splitting it into bilateral packages uh, and uh, treaties, uh, Swiss politicians were able to uh, reassure voters that they were... uh, moving down a route which was uh, compatible with Swiss democracy, with uh, particularly with those elements of direct democracy that uh, the Swiss uh, rightly hold as uh, very important to their system. However, um, one of the key features of that uh, relationship is that those uh, bilateral treaties are treated as a package, as a bundle, and that if one of those is uh, challenged or revoked, then the EU would consider that all of them are uh, under danger of uh, being rescinded. Now, for a long time, that wasn't really an issue. Um, This relationship had become more complicated, um, and whilst there was a a desire on the part of the EU to try and rationalise this into a more... uh, unified uh, and codified kind of approach 
it wasn't a major problem. As with the EEA states, uh, the Swiss don't have a vote uh, or representation in the EU. They also pay a contribution somewhere in the region of about uh, half a billion euros a year, so quite substantial amounts uh, that they do pay. Um, However, uh, last year, so in 2014, uh, there was a referendum about limiting or imposing restrictions on freedom of movement, um, which clearly infringed the bilateral treaty that uh, had been agreed. Now, what that has done has really put into strong perspective the limitations of that arrangement. The EU have made clear that they're not going to accept that as a a part of their relationship, and they are looking to suspend uh, Swiss participation in a lot of areas, and they have suspended Swiss participation in many areas and programmes. This really uh, highlights the difficulty of taking a unique path um, down uh, relationships with the EU. The EU tends to have some standard sets of relationships that it has, and standing outside that model, of which I think Switzerland is the most uh, well-known example, most important example, is something which the Commission and other member states have become less and less tolerant of over time. So all the challenges that we talked about with the uh, Norwegian option, the EEA option, I think apply here in the Swiss case, with the added addition that uh, the Swiss don't have the protection of having other partners uh, outside of the EU who they can rely on. 